Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. This week we're beginning a four-week study on the beginning of the gospel, and this week we begin with the gospel of Matthew with the message, Knowing Jesus as Messiah. Here's Pastor Joel. This week, in the next four weeks, we're going to do like a short mini-series. Uh, we've gone through Genesis 1 through 22 in really a series we titled Beginning. But now we're going to do a short series on the beginning of the gospel. We're going to take the beginning of each of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and we're going to look at how they begin this greatest story ever told, the salvation of humanity uh, as Jesus comes. Uh, so the next four weeks, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're just going to look at the introduction uh, of each of those. We'll have a, sh- a short break as we have some special guest speakers um, in July. And then in August, we'll start our series in the book of John, which will take us right up to Christmas time. Uh, so the beginning of the gospel, these next four weeks, and then a short little break with some uh, different topics, and then the book of uh, John going on from there. So, this morning, we are in the gospel according to Matthew, and I want to begin by reading a section that you maybe not hear read a lot in churches. It's often skipped over, and for understandable reasons. So, if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 1, and if you wouldn't mind standing as I read God's Word... Matthew 1, and pray for me as I read this. (laughs) Matthew 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Solomon, and Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of uh, Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, 
the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And then verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. Let's pray. Lord, we know your word is alive and active and was written uh, for us today to make us wise for salvation, to correct our thinking, to shape us, to call us, to invite us in. So Lord, this morning as we uh, think through this whole list of names uh, and how the gospel according to Matthew was started, Lord, would you... uh, remove the scales off of our eyes so that we can see what message you're trying to uh, tell us. Would you open our ears so we could hear? Would you soften our hearts so that when we leave this morning, we we would be changed people? And Lord, we need your help because it's just a list of names. (laughs) In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, That was beneficial, huh? Um, Why in the world would Matthew, who is sitting down to write the story that changed his life, like the most amazing story that you could ever tell, why in the world would he sit down and write a list uh, of names, names that in our Bible read-through, we just skip over. In the Christmas story, how many of you have heard that read in the Christmas story? We just skip over this thing. This is not, if you you were going to, a Disney movie that you wanted like everyone to watch, you wouldn't start with a list of 42 names, would you? Like, what is, what is going on here? Well, hopefully by the end of this sermon, you're going to see why Matthew said, there's no other way I can start my gospel. The gospel of Jesus has to start with this genealogy because it's beautiful and impactful and it changed Matthew. It changed his whole life and offered him hope. But before we get to the text, I want to set up this message with an, with an illustration to hopefully kind of get you to, uh, to, to see and, and start your minds thinking about uh, genealogies. So I want to read one more genealogy, right? Because what's, what's better than two, one genealogy is two genealogies. Uh, this is going to be great. So buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Paul Woodard was the father of Harry Woodard, who was the father of Paul, who was named for his grandfather. He was the father of Malcolm, who was the father of Mark who happens to be my dad. From 1831, uh, this genealogy from father to father to father down uh, to me, my guess is it probably doesn't mean anything to you. And you read it and you go, great, Joel. Who cares who, who your fathers are? Uh, but for me, it actually means a, a great deal because it's my, it's my genealogy. Uh, I moved out here to the Pacific Northwest, to Portland, when I was dating Amy. I didn't grow up here. I wasn't born here. I don't know anyone from here. I don't have any of the stories from high school or childhood. I don't go by schools and go, oh, I remember when I played there. I don't have any of that. Uh, And so there's oftentimes, uh, after we moved back from Slovenia and we settled here, we've been living here for 13 years now, there's oftentimes here I'm like, do I belong here? Uh, Because I don't have... Uh, all of that. But that changed actually when I found out my genealogy. Uh, Because my great, great, great grandpa Paul was one of the first two families to settle on Lake Whatcom near Bellingham, Washington. 
my great, great, great grandma was, uh, she set up a post office on the lake. The very first one, she was a postmaster in the Pacific Northwest. So my family uh, is from this area. And when I learned that, all of a sudden, it wasn't, even though I didn't go to school here, it was almost like, oh, it's coming home. Like, this is where my great-great-grandpa came and, and was. And that point even like got ex like an exclamation point on it. When we were out in a bigger city, which I love, uh, bigger city, and we did the Oregon Trail Museum. Have any of you done that? So along the museum, there are actual people who dress up like they're really from that, that time period, 1860, 1870, which is when my grandpa uh, came over, uh, and one of the ladies we were talking to, you know, I don't know if you do it, but I'm mischievous a little bit. You try and get them to like break out of their time, you know, you're trying to like trick them or whatever. And we were just talking to her for a long time. And, and then finally I told him, oh, well, you know, my, my great, great, great grandpa actually was a blacksmith up in uh, Lake Whatcom. And she stopped right there and she's like, okay, I know we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to break character uh, where we are, but this is really fascinating. She's like, can you tell me more about that? Because my great-great-grandmother moved to Lake Whatcom, and a blacksmith helped her build her house. And I was like, That's, that, could be my, that could be my grandpa. And all of a sudden, my genealogy, knowing my history, made me know who I was and where I belonged. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of home. This, this is where I belong. All from Paul, the father of Harry, the father of Paul, the father of Malcolm, the father of Mark, the father of Joel. Well, knowing my genealogy changed my perspective. Now, in the same way as we come to the genealogy in Matthew, uh, it changed his perspective too. And, and if it becomes our genealogy, it'll change our perspective too. And it, and it gives us hope. We're going to see that knowing Jesus as the Messiah as Matthew did, it's going to bring so much hope. And you might be wondering, right now at least, okay, how could a list of old names of Jewish people that are long dead, how in the world could that bring hope for us uh, today? Well, this brings us back to our text. We're going to, we're going to look through it uh, again, and I'm going to show you four places where Matthew offers hope in his text, in this genealogy. Four places of hope in a, in a genealogy. Are you ready for that? Four places of hope in a genealogy genealogy. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's the hope of the Messiah. The hope of the Messiah. Matthew begins his story of Jesus, God who came flesh and dwelt among us and changed Matthew's life. He begins the story like this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And then he ends in verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Matthew wants us to know right at the very beginning that Jesus is the Christ. Now, we often think, especially in, in English or if you've been around the church a lot, we often think, oh, isn't Christ Jesus' last name? It's not. Je it's not Jesus Christ, like that's his last name, like Joel Woodard or uh, Joby Crover. It's Jesus Christ. Christ is a title. It's a title that means anointed one. It's taken from a Hebrew word, uh, Messiah. Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. 
Now, there were two positions or roles in the Old Testament that were messiahed or were anointed. Uh, you had the priest and you had a king. Uh, they were, uh, if you were a priest or you were a king, you were a little messiah, little M messiah. But there was a hope, anticipation, a longing for the people of Israel and actually the whole nations that there would, be, there would come one messiah, anointed one, who would be both king and priest, who would make uh, the relationship of God and people restored back together, who would, who would unite families together, who would heal broken hearts, who would set the, the whole government and the world as it should be. This messiah was coming and they longed for that and they hoped for that. And so when Matthew starts his account of the gospel, he goes, Jesus the Messiah. This is the one we've been longing for and waiting for for so long. Don't miss it. Jesus is the Messiah. There is hope because the Messiah has come. Well, it's not even just in that. The way that, that Matthew has laid out this whole genealogy uh, points us to that fact as well. Because as you, as you see, and if you didn't like check out when you're reading it, and if you did, that's fine too. That's why we're going back over it. Uh, it's divided into three sections. Did you see that? It gives us a little summary at the end. Uh, from Abraham to David, from David to deportation, and that's when they were taken away into exile into Babylon. And then from uh, from exile, deportation, to Christ. Now, there's 14 generations in each of those uh, things. And, and he points that out. There's 14 from Abraham to David, 14 from David to deportation, 14 from deportation to the Messiah. Well, 14 is a very interesting number, too, especially in uh, Hebrew, because it, it could really be three sets of 14 or six sets of seven. Uh, seven is the number like a perfection. It's a completion. Uh, he sets it up and he goes, look, uh, I'm, I'm giving you this grand storyline of the Old Testament beginning uh, in, in Genesis uh, all the way up to the Christ. And I'm setting it up in this way. And, it, and when you get to the Christ, the Messiah, that's really the seventh seven, like as it goes through that it's starting of this end seventh seven. Uh, of the Messiah who's come. And the way it's even set up is that it goes from deportation to the Christ. He's setting the Messiah up as the one, like a Moses-type figure, who's going to come and rescue and redeem his people. Even in the shape of that, it's that way. And not only that, if you didn't think that Genesis was on his mind in the whole uh, like whole Old Testament Hebrew Bible, e even the word genealogy, the book of the genealogy, in Greek... That word genealogy is the word Genesis. This is the Genesis of Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, he is, uh, he's putting it back and going, this is, a whole, this is a whole new beginning. The Messiah has come. The Genesis of Jesus Christ. This one person who has come. The Messiah. Well, the hope of the Messiah then brings three more uh, hopes that he's going to offer, um, offer us. Uh, first one is the hope of the Messiah. Here's the second one. The hope of a new beginning. If you're taking notes, write that down. Hope of a new beginning. Genesis is on the minds of Matthew as he tells the story, as he begins with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's the, it's the guys we've been studying this last uh, spring. 
Genesis is on his mind because the word Genesis is even there. But not only that, when he says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it's paralleling the divisions and how the book of Genesis was, was written and set up. Now, you, you might remember this from uh, our series before. And if you don't, that's, that's fine too. Uh, Genesis is written in like these chapters these chunks, and each of them have like this title over it. And the Hebrew word that we uh, get for that little title over is the word toledot. Toledot means births or generations or genealogy. Uh, and the way that the book of Genesis is set up is there, there are these like 10 uh, toledots throughout that set up these uh, chapters. Look, look um, in chapter 2, there's, we have a list of them. Chapter 2 and verse 4. The generations of the heavens and the earth, 5, 1, 6, 9, uh, 10, 1, 10, 11, 10, 11, 27. You can see the, the list of them. These are all, this is the generations of Adam, Noah, Shem, Terah, Ishmael, Isaac, uh, Esau, Jacob. These are the generations of, and then it'll go along and, and either do like a short genealogy or actually tell a whole story of it. But that's the title summary of it. But there's one of those that is different than all the other ones. There's one of them that stands out from there, and that is in 5.1, when it says, the book of the generations of Adam. The book of the generations of Adam. You see, Matthew, he's presenting Jesus at the tail end of the book of Genesis as an extension of Genesis, but not just another Toledot, but as going back to the Toledot of Adam and presenting, we have a whole new Adam here. We have a whole new uh, creation, a new beginning. The word genealogy is the word uh, Genesis. So we, we see that there's not only a continuation of the Old Testament story, but there's a redoing. There's a new Adam in Jesus. Where the first Adam came along, there was death and shame and brokenness, and we see how our world is. When the second Adam comes along, when Jesus came along, it started a whole new beginning, a whole new creation that we find in the Messiah, Jesus. So Paul picks this up in Romans, Romans 5, 12. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spreads to all men because all sinned. And then jumping on to verse 17, it says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The new Adam that has come that offers a new beginning for all of us. That it doesn't matter what your history was up till now, how broken you were before. In Christ, he's offering you a new beginning. To be born again, a new creation. And, and even for us who find ourselves in Christ, he's offering that each morning, this new beginnings as new mercies you find every day as you come back to Jesus Christ and you find your identity in Jesus. He's going, because of what I've done, I'm offering you this new hope, this new beginning. The hope of a new beginning in a genealogy. Here's the third one. There's a hope of redemption. The hope of redemption. It points out that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. Over the last two years, we've studied David, and we've studied Abraham, and we know what kind of models those men were for us. Uh, David, who lust after a woman on his roof, 
And just because he could, he takes her for his own. He ends up killing her husband. He, he fails as a, a father. And yet God says, I'm going to use this broken man in my patience and mercy and grace. And I'm going to welcome him into my family line. Abraham, who, who had like seed beds of faith, like little granules of faith and a whole lot of doubt and fear who gives his wife away multiple times to other people, who, who himself was an absent father. And Jesus says, uh, I'm in the business of redeeming those kind of people, of restoring them, of bringing them back to the family. And it makes you think, if God can use people like David and Abraham and everyone else in that list, if we would read their stories, all these broken people, and he can redeem their life and use it for his glory, then perhaps he can use you as well. Even with the mistakes you've made or the mistakes you will make. It, it, it shows us that God is patient and kind and loving. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. It's as if Jesus looks at you in your glorified state and calls that back to who you are now and patiently deals with you in your sin and your brokenness, who gently leads you like a shepherd. Well, through, through the hope of the Messiah, we have a hope of new beginning. We have a hope of redemption. And here, this is a beautiful one. Our fourth one, the hope of belonging. You have a hope of belonging. To be known and to know, to know who you are, your identity, to know whose you are, where you belong. We get this long list of, of fathers, the father of the father of the father of. But in that list, we get this, um, I call them the by the way people, because they all start with by. Uh, these people that you wouldn't expect to be there, who wouldn't expect to be in this list, who wouldn't expect to be uh, mentioned or named or even invited or, or welcomed in. Four by the ways in the list. We, all these lists of uh, fathers, and then we get four women who were in there. These four women were grafted into the line of Jesus as he rescues and ministers to them. Let me just go through those, uh, those lists, those names really quick. Uh, by Tamar. By Tamar, in verse 3, you can see it. Tamar was Judah, who, um, who had several sons, but J Judah's, his oldest son's wife, who that son ends up dying and leaving Tamar without a, a child. And so then Judah promises, oh, I'll, we'll protect you, I'll take care of you, I'll do the right thing by you, and I'll, I'll give you my second son. But he doesn't give him the second son. Uh, and so there's Tamar left alone, abused, ex exiled out the family. She's got no hope. She's, she's helpless. And then through this series of like, it's pretty ugly events. Uh, but by the end, God looks at her and goes, I see you. You're part of my family. You, you belong here. Even if you felt the cold hand of someone who has rejected you, I'm bringing and grafting you in, Tamar. In verse 5, we have by Rahab. Rahab, she was the Canaanite woman uh, living in Jericho. And, and my guess is that, that Rahab didn't feel quite at home 
in Jericho. She, she knew there was like a, there had to be this, this God out there. And so when the spies come into the city, she welcomes them in and protects them and, and provides for them and, and aligns herself with these uh, foreigners. And by doing that, God goes, I'm aligning you with my family too. By your faith in what you've done, welcome into my family. You know, Jesus' great-great-great-grandmother was a Canaanite. Verse 5, we have another one, by Ruth. Ruth's a beautiful story of this Moabite woman who marries an Israelite who's left the land, and he's really sick and weak, and he ends up dying. And Ruth, somewhere along the way, makes Yahweh her God. And so as her mother-in-law goes back to Israel, she clings to her because she clings to God. She comes back to a land where she doesn't know anybody. Uh, she's helpless. She has no one to provide for her. And God, in his grace and mercy, sends this redeemer that takes her in. And, and through this story, you see, it's, it begins with Ruth the Moabitess, Ruth the Moabitess, Ruth the Moabitess. And it ends with Ruth, the great-great-grandmother of Jesus. In verse 6, we have, by the wife of Uriah. Now, if you know the Bible story, you know the wife of Uriah is Bathsheba, whom David lusted after and then killed and took her husband. Uh, we don't know why they don't say Bathsheba, but it could be that we know who Uriah was. He was a Hittite. So more than likely, Bathsheba was a Hittite, too. Uh, this, this lady who was abused, uh, taken advantage of, pain and sorrow in her life, God cares for her. It says, welcome to my family. You are invited in as well. Reading that list of names for Matthew, when he, when he hears them, and he hears by Tamar, by Rahab, by Ruth, by the wife of Uriah, those, those people that would have been rejected, didn't know where they belonged, didn't know where they fit, didn't know who they were, whose they were. He reads those lists, and Matthew, the tax collector, who wasn't a Roman, and he wasn't accepted by the Jewish people because he was associating with the Roman, who had nowhere to go, didn't feel like he belonged. He heard that list, and I'm sure he was like, there's no greater way to start the story. When I was weak, when I was alone, when I was an outcast, Jesus invited me in. And he says, and in fact, Jesus, God's been doing that all along. Through, through the whole story, he's been looking after the marginalized, the weak, the lonely. He's not building up walls so that you have to be so great or you have to do this and this to check these off. It's like Jesus is like breaking down all the walls and all the gates and saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I see you. I'm offering you this new beginning. I'm, I'm going to redeem your past for my, for my glory. And I'm going to make you belong, to know where you belong. And if it's in a, a place like this where we're all followers of Jesus, we've all been grafted into the family, you belong right here. It doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday or your 150th Sunday. You belong right here simply because of the work of Jesus Christ. Well, Matthew, the tax collector, rejected by everyone, is, is invited in by, by Jesus. Come. Come to me. And gene, Jesus' genealogy then becomes Matthew's genealogy. Because in Jesus, all those people are, that's my family too. This is where I belong. It brings him hope and a new perspective. 
He found his identity in Jesus. He knew who he was and whose he was. And it changed his whole perspective. You know, the invitation is for all of you as well. The lost are invited in. The, the broken are, are welcomed because of the hope of the Messiah, because of Jesus. That Jesus' genealogy can be your genealogy too. And that can change everything, right? So what a better way to start the gospel according to Matthew than a genealogy, right? You see it? Beautiful. Uh, let me pray, and I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Lord, I, I just pray that everyone here who read that list of names, and Lord, we don't know what to do with those. They're old people that we don't even uh, don't know their stories half the time, and there's even lots of people in that list that we've never even heard of. But Lord, you saw them, you knew them, you invited them into your family. And Lord, you use those broken people to give them a new beginning to redeem their past because of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, doesn't have purpose or meaning in their life, they look back and they're like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going or where I'm at or what's my identity or, or whose I belong to. Lord, I pray that they would find their true identity and their place in, in you. And Lord, that would change everything. It would bring hope uh, to them. It would bring new beginnings to their, to their marriage and friendship and purpose and identity. And Lord, for, for all of us who, who have, Lord, I pray that we would be like Jesus and break down walls and invite people in rather than uh, building walls up. That we would have eyes to see those who are hurting and lost and alone and rejected. And we would be your hands and feet inviting them in inviting them to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.